About a month ago, my wife was in an accident. Um, she is fine. In fact, she was able to walk away from it. Um, the car, on the other hand, was not. Um, our car was totaled, and we have recently had to purchase um, another car. Uh, the, the great part about that is I had paid the car off like two months before that. And the check that they gave us, it was not the same amount that I paid for the car just two months before that. Well, we got a new car, and the number one thing for my wife in getting this new car, safety. You know, after what happened, and after what happened to the car, and it was safety. Um, and so, like, we had to start by knocking every car out that didn't have a 9.0 or above safety rating. I mean, just going from there, it was that kind of thing. And the car we ended up getting, we actually paid probably more than what we had intended to do, but it was to get the safety features on this vehicle. It is the Honda Sensing Package. Here are the things that it does. When you are doing your cruise control, you choose how close you can get to another vehicle, and it will not let you get any closer than that. It'll slow you down. If you move out from behind that vehicle, it'll speed you back up to the speed you were going. If you get too close to an object and you are not braking, a light comes on and tells you to brake, it'll beep, and if you won't do it, it will brake for you and bring you to a stop. Now, one of the most unsettling parts of it is the lane mitigation. When you turn this on, if you're going at least 45 miles an hour, it will keep you in your lane. As you start to swerve toward the, the side of the lane, the steering wheel will shake a little. You know like when you go over the bumps on a road? It kind of does that on your steering wheel, and it tells you, driver assistance needed. <laughs> and if you don't do it, it will gently pull your car back into the center of the lane. And it'll just take you like that the whole time. Um, it's kind of unsettling to feel your car. I mean, you feel like you're in some futuristic movie or something. The car is like driving. You put cruise control on, and you put the lane mitigation on, and you just go. <laughs> but it's going to keep your speed up. It's going to keep you in the lane. It'll turn. Cor I mean, everything. It is bizarre. And it reminds me of faith. Let me give you some of the, the connections I saw. Okay. Number one, part of what faith is doing, our trust in who God is, in what God has said in his word, in the way that the Holy Spirit is leading us, is we are going down this lane of life. And, and faith is this thing that is trying to keep us in that lane and who God is, it's often a gentle moving back into where we're supposed to be. But here's the thing about lane mitigation. You can overcome it. Like, if it starts pulling me back, I can grab the wheel and I can turn out of the lane anyway. How often do we do that? How often is God leading us down something? And because it's, it's a little unsettling, because I'll tell you what, the first time, here, the, the guy, when he's showing me the feature in the car, he's going, just watch this. Just kind of let go of the wheel. And I'm going, what? <laughs> let go of the wheel? Who's ever said that while you're driving? Just let go of the wheel. And he said, just, just watch it. And the car starts doing this, and I'm going, i got to grab it. And he goes, no, just let it go. And then, oh, okay. And it leads you back. But that's exactly what faith is like. 
I mean, there is a point where you're going, okay, God, I've, I've got to do what you're saying. I've got to let go of my plan. I've got to let go of what I think is the right thing. And I've got to let you move this thing the way you want it to go. But it takes that moment. Because here's the thing. You cannot feel the car move you back until you actually let it do it. There's like no in-between. The same thing is true of the exercise of faith. Either God is moving you or you are moving you. But there isn't an in-between. And it's an unsettling kind of feel at times because I can guarantee you this. You want to take you places that God doesn't want you to go. You want to do things, believe things, feel things that God doesn't want you to. I mean, I was thinking, oh my goodness, as Christy was reading the Philippians rating, think on these things. Man, I am not always thinking on those things. I mean, as I hear that list, I've got a bunch of other things I'm often thinking of, and yet in faith, God is saying, I want you to think on these things. Um, reading the children's prayer, it struck me. Not the ways of the world, but the ways of God. But if we are being honest, the ways of the world are often more comfortable. They are easier. The things that challenge us, they can really challenge us. And here is God in the midst of our challenges saying, will you let me guide you down this path? This morning, I want to talk about some aspects of faith. I don't have an answer for you, by the way. I don't have three steps that are just going to make it like, okay, I got those three steps. Great, I'm going to be faithful all the time now. What I do want to do is I want to kind of explore some different angles of faith to see if it might help us as we are trying to move down this pathway of life to trust him as he is gently pulling us back, as he is saying, think on these things that we can go, all right, this is going to be hard. This is going to be unsettling. I don't know if I want to do this, but I'm going to remove my will and I'm going to let you guide. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we spend some time in your word, teach us. Help us to better understand faith, that we might be able to better exercise faith and live in a dependence and a surrender to your will in every aspect of who we are. We ask this in our Savior's name. Amen. If you would, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. This is our final message this morning in this four-part Advent series. Luke chapter 1, in verse 39. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. There's a couple things about this. Um, this town is somewhere between 80 and 100 miles away. It's hard to identify exactly where it is at, but somewhere in there it's a three- to four-day walk. And she gets up, she heads there. We know that they are related. Um, and she goes with haste. 
And it says in those days, and likely it's just a reference to the previous passage and something that just happened to Mary that we'll briefly highlight in a moment. But, but with haste, she arises and she makes this trip to see her relative. Um, and there are a number of uh, different ideas about why did she do it? Uh, why did she make this trip? Why is it with haste? In fact, so much so that there are actually commentators that have tried to change the word haste into something else. I, I don't want to say try. It's not like they gain anything out of it other than trying to understand the passage. But it, what, what made this girl do this? And I want to suggest to you that it is doubt. That her move right here is because she has some doubt. And just by the way, put yourself in her position for a minute. You are most likely a 13, 14-year-old girl. You're engaged. You have just been visited by an angel who has told you that you are pregnant with God's son. Might you at some point just wonder if that was a bad dream? And yet, if it's not, there's a whole lot at stake here. I mean, this girl is engaged. If she is caught with this, she could be rejected from her family. This could ruin her entire life. She could end up a beggar, a prostitute, or worse. I mean, imagine a 13-year-old girl having to decide some of these things and deal with this. And yet, look up a little bit into the previous passage, and I want you to see something that the angel says. Look at verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Okay, can you see it? This amazing, miraculous, very strange, unbelievable moment happens in my life, and I am not 100% sure this is true, but I've been told that my barren relative is six months pregnant. If that is true then maybe what's going on with me is true. And with haste, she gets up and she goes. And what's amazing about everything in here is you never see Mary up until you get to verse 46, which is past that passage. You don't see Mary rejoicing. You don't see a whole lot of words. What you see, look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. It's a very simple statement. Let it be. It's not, wow, you chose me? That is awesome. I am, the Messiah is coming. I mean, none of that. There's none of it until you get to verse 46. Then all of a sudden, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For What's happened? The doubt has gone away. But here's the thing I want to share with you about faith. Doubt and obedience can exist at the same time. You do not have to firmly and 100% have faith 
in order to even believe or act or work or obey. Because Mary's statement in verse 38 is absolutely true. I am the servant of the Lord, let it be. That's obedience. Let it happen. I want to do what you're saying. And yet in her spirit, there is still some doubt there. That can be absolutely true. In fact, I would say to you this morning, do not wait for all of your doubts to be gone before you obey. Because that's not going to happen very often. I mean, honestly, if, I, if you just raised your hand right now, you probably have some doubts in your, area at this, in your life at this point. There are parts of your life, there are things you go through where it just raises up. We can still act in obedience and still be faithful even with our doubts. And God is big enough to handle our doubts. I love this quote. This quote is from Nicky Gumbel. Um, you might know the name. Um, he is, he's not the originator of Alpha, but he is the originator of the Alpha we have right now. Um, he basically redid all of the curriculum and wrote most of the, you know, the books and things that go with it. Um, this is a quote from Nicky Gumbel. The strength of your faith is not measured by the absence of doubt, but by the faithfulness of your life in the face of doubt. Let me read it again. The strength of your faith is not measured by the absence of doubt, but by the faithfulness of your life in the face of doubt. Even in those moments where you say, God, where are you? I'm not sure this is going to work. God, why are, I want to get out of this lane. I mean, I want to move over here. But you know he's calling you to stay. Stay. Faithfulness. Obedience. That's what we see in this little girl, even where doubt is still there. Number one, about faith. Doubt and obedience can both be there, right in the midst of faith. Keep going. Uh, verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Elizabeth just had an amazing experience. Notice it's not Mary. Elizabeth just had an amazing experience. Mary comes in, and in her womb, the baby leaps. And somehow, she is fully aware this is not an ordinary leap. Like, this is something amazing that just happened, and she is filled with the Spirit, and she recognizes who Mary is, what God is doing. And she says to her, you are blessed. Why would you even be here? Why would you come and see me? This is the second thing I want to say about faith, because what happens with Elizabeth right here helps Mary's doubt. That the faith of others can increase the faith in us. That what others can speak and pray 
when others can come to us, if we are open to it, God can use the faith of another person to help build us up, to help us when we are right in that moment and we're like, I am getting out of this lane. I'm, I'm moving over here. I can't take this anymore. If we are open to that person, and by the way, if you are open to be that person, as much as we are Mary, we also need to be Elizabeth because God uses the faith of his people to come alongside those who are saying, I've got to get out of this lane. And he uses them to come up and say, let me just lay a hand on you. Let me pray for you. Let me share hope with you. And if we are willing to receive, God can use the faith of another person to help build us up. That is not cheating. That is not somehow, that's, oh, that's just their faith. No, God uses that in our lives. Will you let somebody else speak into your life? Will you be the person that speaks into somebody's life? Will you be the Elizabeth who would take the time, because it takes time, whether it is sending a simple text message to say, hey, I am praying for you today, whether it's walking up to somebody and giving them a hug, whether it is remembering that a person is going through something and saying to that person, I'm praying for you for this. Will you be the Elizabeth and will you accept that from somebody? Um, this time of year, if you go to the mall, uh, you will see the mall Santa Claus. I would never want to be a mall Santa Claus. It seems like one of the most horrible jobs in the world to me. I know that's an overstatement. Um, but for an introvert, it's really just a scary prospect to be a mall Santa Claus. I mean, because this is what I envision. I mean, here you are. You have to get up and dress in this weird outfit. Of course, I mean, here I am in this. But, and, and you have to sit there all day long with this long line of kids that are like, screaming and upset, and there's some of them, they're like, come on, Santa, get on your lap. There's other ones that are going, ah, I want nothing to do with this. And mom is going, you have to take a picture. And this is like the sixth or seventh child this hour that you forced onto my lap. And what do they want? They all just want to go, give me this, give me this, give me this. At some point, if I were that Santa, I think I'd be hurling children. <laughs> like, get off my lap. That's why I'm not a mall Santa. I'm a priest. But I have Nancy to take care of your kids, so it's okay. <laughs> I just can't imagine being a mall Santa. But there are some mall Santas that actually do some pretty amazing things. And a couple of days ago, a four-year-old boy went to a Santa in the mall. And he came up to the Santa, and he asked for a train set, but he also asked Santa if he would pray for a little child, two months old, who is in the hospital dying. The family saw it on Facebook and began praying for the little child, and this four-year-old boy had two requests for the Santa, and one of them is, will you pray for this little child? And Santa got down on one knee with the boy right there, and prayed. You could see the picture of it. A Santa Claus in a mall and a four-year-old boy praying for this little child. Well, guess who else saw it? 
the parents of the child. You know what happened to them? It increased their faith. They, I mean, they just like, God is going to do something. I'm seeing all of this stuff happen. More and more people were writing in because of it. We are praying for you. And the faith of the body increased the faith of this family. And it even got returned because the grandfather of the little child that's in the hospital, he bought the train set and sent it to the four-year-old boy (laughs) for Christmas. Will you let the faith of God's people build you up? And will you be the person who will build somebody else up? Because faith, hear me, faith is not something we do alone. That whole idea of a personal relationship with Jesus, yes, you need a personal faith in him. But Christianity, this is not some individualistic, personal thing where you have to go off and do it on your own. We're not made that way, and Christianity is not made that way. We are the body of Christ. And as you look around this room, we are meant to look out for each other and to build each other up, not to walk this path alone. That is not the way the Christian faith is built. Will you be those people? Will I be those people? Keep going with me. Verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. There is something so cool in this. And it, it, it gives us part of that uh, essential nature of faith. Faith, more often than not, is about embracing not creating. All right, let me explain. Too often I think we wonder, can my faith make this happen? I don't have enough faith for this to work. More often than not, faith is about embracing what God is already doing, about embracing what God wants to do in your life, about embracing what God has already told us is true then it is about us having enough faith to muster it up to make something. Notice the blessing, that there would be a fulfillment. Blessed are you that you believe what God has said will happen. Blessed are you for embracing what God is doing. What if you flip this thing around? Instead of going, I need to have enough willpower to do it, or I need to have enough faith to make it happen, that you instead said to yourself, I know what God wants. Heck, at a minimum, I know he wants what he says in his word. Maybe you don't personally, maybe you're trying to figure out a direction in your life right now and you're not sure about it. I guarantee you there are things you do know that God wants in your life because they're in his word. And because if you belong to Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you and he is guiding you. What if you began to see it as Lord I just want to embrace what you're already doing. I don't have to make it happen, but I'm going to follow in faith what you are doing. That's what Mary is, that's what Elizabeth says to her. 
blessed are you that you believe that God's going to do this. It, it looks a little bit like this, and I had to find a way to get this into the sermon. By the way, if you've seen the, the picture um, of the sermon series, um, The King Awakens, um, it's completely based off The Force Awakens. I mean, even the, the like, font and everything. I, I stole it off The Force Awakens and this whole thing. I had to get Star Wars in here somehow. Some of you have seen it already. I have not. I'm going to see it on Wednesday with my daughter. Please don't say anything. I haven't even watched trailers. Like, I want this to be fresh. I don't want to have any ideas in my head. I just want to go see it. So don't tell me anything. I'll excommunicate you, right? <laughs> Star Wars is worth that. Um, I just, just listen to this. This is not going to shock you probably, but just listen to this. Um, <laughs> these are records that the film has already broken. Right? Um, largest Thursday previews. Um, the previous record was $43 million from Harry Potter. Poor Harry. Now he's, he's in second. Now it's $57 million. Largest Friday opening single day. Previous was also Harry Potter at 91 million. Star Wars, 120 million. Single day opening. Um, previous December single day. Um, now we move away from Harry and it's The Hobbit. The Hobbit, a single day in December, 37 million. You already heard the number from 120 million. It's ridiculous. Um, fastest to a hundred million. Um, Jurassic Park took two days to do it. You've already heard. The Force Awakens did it in a day. I mean, just to a hundred million in a day. Ridiculous records. Well, I want to take you back to 1977. For the first Star Wars Christmas... The movie was number one in the box office from May through November. I mean, it's just number one all the way through. But here's what it lacked. Action figures. Like, there were things coming out that, because at that point it took longer to make the toys, and when Star Wars first came out, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi is a stupid name. And so their toy makers are going, no, we're not getting near this right now. I mean, this is just weird, and, like, nobody's going to go with this. Well, then May hit, and, like, boom, number one movie for six months. And, and so the homemakers are going, man, we got to do something. Well, action figures, to mass produce them, it just took too long. Like, you couldn't get it by December. One company did something that it just, it's probably never been done afterwards. Um, because they couldn't get the action figures made, but they knew how valuable it was, they created a box. It had a Star Wars backdrop in the box and an IOU in it. You got an empty box for Christmas, and then you filled the IOU out and sent it in, and get this. You were guaranteed four action figures sometime between February 1st and June 1st. You might not get your Christmas present until summer. And it sold more than anything else, the empty IOU box. Now, why do I share this with you? Because I had to get Star Wars into this message. No, I really have a point. I want to read to you the philosophy that undergirded the company 
that did this. Kinner was about looking at what kids saw and translating what they saw into toys. They describe one of the first ones they did. They saw a kid making bubbles, and they went, we got to figure out how to make bubbles. But here's the point. Their basic philosophy was not, let's create something. It's, what's already happening? What are kids doing? What are they excited about? What is the world excited about? Let's do that. Let's not just go make up some random toy that we hope will work. Let's figure out what's already happening and embrace that and make our toys off of that. That's exactly what faith is more often than not. What is God already doing? What has God already taught us? How is he leading your family? What doors is he opening? What friendships has he put in your life? What, what person has he just brought in that might need a friend in your life? What's going on that God is already working that you can believe and get on board with? That is at times the essence of faith. I will end here. Just look back at that verse 45 one more time. And blessed is she. There's a lot of blessedness in here. Uh, If you go back up and you look at verse 42, blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb, blessed is she who believed. There's a lot of blessedness going on in this text. And it is all connected to one thing, following the Lord. Blessed are you that you would step out in obedience even when you had doubt. Blessed are you that you would follow even when everything wasn't clear. Let me say something about faith. The biggest blessing that we get, it takes that, oh, okay, I did it. I stepped through something. It was hard. It was challenging. I didn't want to do it. But you don't see the blessing until you do it. I mean, this is... So the other day, I actually did put cruise control on, and I put the lane mitigation on, and I just went. And the car drove. And it was really freaky. And I sat there, my hands were like right here. At any moment, my foot's near the thing, but like the car was driving me. And it was just like doing this, and it would turn. I mean, and it's got to be like on a free. It won't stop for stop signs and take off again. I mean, this is like toll road. But like, it really was God. I mean, the whole time I'm going, oh, this is just weird. I'm waiting for this. And a car would go next to me. I'm like, we're going to hit that car. Don't close your eyes or that'd be dumb. Then you would hit the car. And, and we're just going along. It was exhilarating I, to actually do this. It was like, literally, I felt like I'm in like 20, 30 years in the future and my car is driving me and it just was so cool. It can't happen unless you do it. That's faith. You can't see it until you do it. You can't see faith until you go, no, God, this isn't what I want, but I know you do. I'm going to do it. And then you step out. And you know what? I said I was going to end with this. I am ending with this, really. It's my second ending. I'm sorry. It's been a while since I've flown a plane a whole lot and never landed. It's the fourth last message. I'm flying the plane too much. 
My daughter, when she heard the story, she's like, Daddy, we should just do that all the time. We should just let the car drive us. Like, you could then talk to me, and we could do games and stuff, and the car could take us places. I said, there's one problem. The car can only take us where we go. I mean, like, it can't, I can't just plug in our home address, and the car is going to, like, take us to our home. It's really limited in where it can go. It will protect us on the toll road going 45 miles an hour, just going. But I can't plug an address in. This is what I'm going to leave you with. You and I have faith in something. Every day, you are making decisions in faith. You are trusting yourself. You're trusting an experience. You're trusting maybe something you read. You are making choices every single day in faith. And this is what I can guarantee you. If they are not connected to faith in Christ, it will never ultimately take you where you really want to go. Because trusting yourself can only take you so far. Trusting whatever you read, trusting that past experience, trusting this hurt, it will only take you so far. He is the only one that can take you where you ultimately want to go. Pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you first and foremost for the trust that your son had in you. What he modeled, that everything he went through, he kept the car in the lane that you had him in. No matter how challenging, even to the point that he would sweat drops of blood. But he kept going, and in the end, he found what you had for him. Lord, help us to trust you more. Help us to see the ways where we are putting faith, not in you, but in ourselves, in something other than you, and to switch that to you, that we might embrace what you are doing and move forward in your will. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.